Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Meerkat Musings, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode that relates to the Football Manager series. And on this occasion, forgive me if the podcast may be a little bit out of sync with what's been going on on the website. But I will try to, for lack of a better word, recap things uh, and explain things in what will hopefully be a clear way. So, I believe last time around, Crystal Palace had secured a rather brilliant promotion to the Premier League. And I had perhaps touched upon how I'd managed to sign experienced German international Julian Drexler for the team, among other players, as we entered into a new life in the Premier League. I made some other signings, naturally, of course. A defender from Liverpool called Billy Kumitio, I think. Uh, a, a player from Rangers called Luke Rowland, attacking midfielder. Brennan Johnson from Watford, able to play in a range of places. Xavier Simmons as a defensive midfielder. And Philippe. Stevanovic, another versatile midfielder from Manchester City, in the aim of boosting the team, of course. And I was experimenting with with tactics and whatnot as well. So I would uh, end up holding out some hope that perhaps we could have a good season uh, in the Premier League. Friendlies went reasonably well. Played a team called Benfica SPE from Portugal, not the top flight Benfica side that you might be familiar with. This was a lower league Benfica that we beat 7-0. Not exactly a telling demonstration of the team's abilities, but nonetheless a good result. Uh, We drew with Portuguese Premier League side Chavez, and then I signed another player, uh, from Napoli called Leif Davies for the defence, able to play on the left or right flank of the defence, adding in some strength and depth. From there, uh, we ended up with a bit of an issue with the friendlies, believe it or not. Uh, I had aimed to play Fulham in a friendly, but the board kept arranging friendlies and filling up our pre-season with a lot of fixtures I felt were unnecessary. And in the process of cancelling some of the friendlies, I cancelled the Fulham game and ended up instead hosting Leicester City and drew one all. Not too bad. Beat German team Eintracht Frankfurt 5-1 at Selhurst Park and then beat Valencia, Spanish side Valencia 5-1 uh, as well. And then it was time for league battles, uh, as it were. And we would begin with a game against a team I felt were something of a nemesis to me, uh, Sheffield United. They had also been promoted along with ourselves. And if you recall, they'd beaten me 7-0 at Bramwell Lane. And I'd snatched a win against them at Selhurst Park. First game in the Premier League was against Sheffield United and... Well, uh, we were away, so bearing in mind last time we'd lost quite heavily. I had to admit this wasn't ideal. But the game went quite well, despite the manager, Chris Wilder, bearing a grudge, it seemed, for the comeback when we had last year. This time, 1-3-2. Probably should have won more comfortably. And great. We had a nice win to begin with. 
Then we entertained Leeds United, drew three all. Uh, we led twice, fell behind, and then equalised in injury time in a seesaw game. We then beat Wolves 3-1. And from there, we ended up snatching a penalty win victory against Gillingham in the Carabao Cup. Disappointing, considering Gillingham were two leagues below us, but hey, I'll take a win. And then we played... One of our biggest rivals, the big rivals of Crystal Palace, Brighton and Hove Albion. Probably their biggest rivals, bizarrely. Uh, and we ended up losing 5-0, which we'll not dwell on too much. Anyway, the season proved to be quite a mundane one in some respects for Palace. We had some good results. We had some disappointing results. Ups and downs and whatnot, and there were, there, were, there were occasions where I felt that we really let ourselves down. Like, for example, 7-2 defeat against West Ham, and we suffered a number of poor performances. We were crushed by Manchester United, which I can't really say I was terribly surprised by. Uh, and we were then, well, let's just say crushed again a couple of times I think we were let's see we weren't crushed by Liverpool but we were beaten and we were roundly beaten by Arsenal as well we were narrowly beaten by Man City but generally speaking the season didn't go particularly badly but not particularly well at halfway point we were 13th in the standings and we ended up finishing 13th in the standings we Gave a few good accounts of ourselves, but a few bad ones as well. I was, however, getting very, very pleased with the performance of Adam Williams, one of my young players, who'd actually, as a 17-year-old, been bursting into the first team in the championship, and he was continuing his progress in the premiership. And he was scoring goals, creating goals, generally looking like a really good, kind of unpredictable uh, attacking player. And, yeah... We were beginning to produce some results because of him. We had a good win over West Ham at home, 4-1. We were hammered by Liverpool. Uh, and we were then beaten right at the end of the season by Manchester City. We only lost 1-0, uh, away from home no less. But that game gave Man City the title. And then we lost our final game of the season against Arsenal. So it was a mundane season. That's the only way to sort of describe it. 13th in the table, nothing exciting, nothing really to stand out. There were a few occasions where I thought the team had let themselves down, and there were a few occasions where perhaps I'd let the team down. But it was what it was. We'd survived. The target was to survive. We'd stayed up in the Premier League. And now, as we rolled on to the following season, the question would be, could we go higher? The aim in football is always to do better than you did the season before. If you finished 13th, aim for, say, 9th or 10th. Just keep doing better each time until you can get to the top. Not easy, of course, especially for a team like Palace, but that's always the aim in football, to go upwards. Interestingly, as we prepared for the following season, one of my players, a midfielder by the name of Sibley, he felt I'd broken a promise to trim the size of the squad. 
well, he became an example of said trimming very, very soon afterwards. I had to sell a couple of players, which uh, wasn't ideal, but ultimately it's the sort of thing which has to happen. You can't keep everyone you want when you're a club of palace's size, and also it's just a question of money sometimes, especially if you want to invest in new players who have to sell existing ones. Anyway, friendly-wise, the board organised for Palace to travel to the Americas, uh, to North America. So our preparations for the 26-27 season saw us lose to DC United to begin with. Uh, and then we played better against Nashville. We played better against New York Cosmos. And then we had a couple of friendlies against, I guess, more conventional opponents, Belgian side Anderlecht on whom we beat uh, and then we had a great 4-1 victory over Borussia Dortmund one of Germany's biggest clubs but the season of course would begin with a different level of challenge altogether we were away against the reigning champions Manchester City which naturally of course was always daunting how can it not be one of my new signings a striker by the name of Follerin Balogun, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, managed to play despite being injured. I'd lost Brewster to an injury and we actually managed to take the lead somehow. However, Balogun scoring, but City would end up being through and up with 15 minutes to go. And at that point, I just resigned myself to a defeat. But somehow, very late on, 77th and 79th minutes, two of my younger signings from the season before, Longmore and Johnson, managed to score to give us a highly unlikely point and then we went and beat Swansea 4-1 at home and then we enjoyed possibly one of the most epic results that I'd so far seen. We were travelling to the south coast to play Palace's traditional big rivals Brighton. We'd lost them twice last season including a terrible performance away from home originally and I really wanted some kind of revenge. We had some great results to begin the season with, with the new players clicking quite well. We took the lead, uh, but then after half an hour, we were 2-1 down with Brighton rallying. Then we equalised near half-time, uh, and then uh, a player called Brobby for Brighton completed his hat-trick. But after half-time, we were team-transformed. Williams, aforementioned young star, was able to score four second-half goals, and we won 6-3, routing Brighton on their patch nonetheless, which was very, very pleasing. From there, we went through on penalties the next round of the Carabao Cup after beating Bristol City, but I had some problems. Williams, Adam Williams, my talented young star, was beginning to want away, being a very, very good talent and someone who was demonstrating that, he had his heart set on a bigger club. He felt he could make it anywhere. To be fair, I think he could. And I was in an awkward situation because other players didn't believe I should stand in his way. And you know what? I wouldn't. But I wasn't going to let him go cheaply. Being a good player, being someone I could potentially recoup a lot of money for, it wasn't just a case of letting him go because he wanted to go. I had to make sure that the team was in a good place, whether he went or not. If I could get a big transfer fee for him, 
I would. It wasn't just a case of saying, oh, off you go. I hoped we could win and win well in order to, well, make progress and hopefully persuade Williams to stay. Things didn't go off to a great start. We lost 2-0 against Southampton. Uh, an early red card for my left back and an injury for his replacement as well. Meanwhile, Adam Williams was up for sale, but no one bid for him. And meanwhile, I signed a player by the name of Williams as well. Nico Williams from Blackburn, formerly of Liverpool as a right back to bolster that area of the team. But I was beginning to get fed up. Why? Because despite trying out different tactics, which were supposedly good tactics, next up was a defeat against Bournemouth. And I didn't feel that we played particularly well. We did, however, end up winning against Aston Villa at home to return to a good result. And then we beat Liverpool on, in a penalty shootout in the Carabao Cup. So at least there were some results. We ended up drawing against Bristol City, who were struggling, which was greatly disappointing. We just couldn't score. It was a home game, and we should have won it easily, but we just didn't. And then we lost 4 to at home to Everton, which was even more annoying, because the team just didn't seem to want to do very well. We then crashed to being 3 down against Arsenal, and I was, I had to admit at this point, getting really, really angry. The team was not playing well, and I had no idea why. Different tactical approaches weren't working. Team meetings with the team to try and encourage them weren't working, and they just couldn't put together one of the results. We lost to Fulham, and I began to think if there was a way to dock players' wages for poor performances, I would. Unfortunately, there wasn't such a way of doing that, but I was actually at a point where I was very much prepared to do that. Performances were just getting dismal at this point, inconsistent, quite rubbish, and I admit I was getting angry. What I want out of these games is to enjoy them. Show me one person who enjoys losing. But nothing I was doing was working. The frustrating thing with this is you can download tactics on Football Manager, which you're assured can work brilliantly with any team, Unless it's me personally, I think sometimes. I swear to God, I can download the best tactics on the game for proven track record of winning, and my players will not respond to them. After a 5-2 defeat against Manchester United, losing at home quite heavily, uh, I, I resigned as manager of Palace. Uh, I was just at that point fuming. I was so, so angry at how things just weren't working. I didn't think it was fair in the slightest. Maybe that's being over the top and melodramatic. But... Honestly, I didn't know what to do. Nothing I was doing was working. Perhaps I wasn't being patient, but equally I didn't think that things were working my way as they should. You need a little bit of luck sometimes with these things. I wasn't getting any of that. And I just felt things were not going my way for no reason whatsoever. I deserved a bit of success and it wasn't coming my way. I wasn't asking for Palace to be a team that was up there challenging for the title. But if they could put together two or three wins on the bounce from time to time, rather than playing miserably, it would have been greatly appreciated. I did actually end up selling Adam Williams for a lower price than expected, out of maybe pure spite. But you know what? I felt Palace deserved it. They had let me down massively by being poor, uh, and I was publicly critical of the players when speaking to the press. I felt they'd let me down big time. But I did actually take a breath and calm down, and I decided next up, whatever happened, I would take a bit of time at my next club. Uh, five full seasons at minimum, unless, of course, the team moved me on. Uh, that would be my plan. 
So now I waited and I waited and a few teams gradually began to take a look at me. We arrived at January 2027 and a trio of Premier League clubs had all agreed to have interviews with me. Newcastle United, Leeds United and Southampton. And Southampton actually approached me. So the question became, who would I go with? Who would be my next club? Well, I had the interviews and the team approached me first. And the team I wanted, as it happens most of all with Leeds, were the ones I went with. Leeds as a club uh, in real life have never been as successful as they perhaps should have been. They've won some titles and on occasion they've gone toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in English football history in order to win those titles. But they haven't won as many as they should and they haven't won as many trophies in general perhaps uh, as they should. They hit financial difficulties at the turn of the century when they gambled on qualifying for Champions League football to pay off loans didn't get Champions League football and ended up having to throw off a lot of their best players. They also ended up being relocated more than once, having been placed into administration. At one point, we're playing in League One, which is the third tier of English football. They got back into the second tier, the Championship, in 2010, but it took them a while to actually get back into the Premiership. In fact, it took them 10 years uh, before they returned to the summit of the league. Now, they historically have won titles three times, 1969, 1974, 1992. They won the UEFA Cup, which is now the Europa League in 1968 and 1971, the FA Cup in 1972, and the League Cup, which is the Carabao Cup in 1968. Uh, in the games timeline, they also won the Carabao Cup in 2024. And it was my hope that they could develop somewhat into a club that was bigger and better, certainly than Palace, and from there who knew where they could go. They were mid-table, not really flying at this point, it was fair to say, and I knew I would have some work out with me to to get them higher at the table, and it didn't help that my very first game was at home to, of all teams, Manchester United, the team that had convinced me it was time to ditch Crystal Palace. However, amazingly, we actually took a great 2-1 victory. We created a lot of chances, playing an attacking game-game-press style of play. And a 2-1 victory probably didn't fairly reflect the fact that we were by far the better team. We ended up drawing 3-0 with Leicester uh, away from home, despite being 3-0 down at one point. Uh, And then we ended up playing Brighton twice in a row. Uh, In the league, we annoyingly threw away a two-goal lead to lose 4-2, and then we drew with them in the FA Cup. We then beat Newcastle 1-0 next up, uh, and then we beat Sheffield United 1-0 away from home. So two consecutive wins, two clean sheets, quite nice. Uh, And then we lost to Brighton in the FA Cup replay, again, losing a 2-0 lead. Next up, we hosted Norwich, who were actually doing really, really well. They were in seventh place, having an amazing season by their standards, uh, and it would be quite possibly a tough game. However, we were sensational. My main striker, a player by the name of Santos, scored four goals, including a hat-trick at half-time, uh, as we ended up winning 7-1. Uh, we were actually 6-1 up at half-time, so the second half, we maybe weren't quite as ruthless, but hey, 7-1 win is always brilliant. We then travelled to Spurs, who were looking for a Europa League place, 
always going to be potentially tough. Uh, but he ended up drawing, however. Uh, a nil-nil draw, which I felt was quite good. I actually switched back to a defensive formation that I'd used quite a lot in my order shot days uh, in order to in, in order to ensure that I would get a point. But late on in the game, I actually switched back to my more attacking Gengen press philosophy and tried to take them off guard. Had a disallowed goal and didn't concede. No more draw. Then we hosted Liverpool. And Liverpool, funny enough, were actually interested in uh, my striker Santos. He wanted to leave. He wanted Champions League football. I couldn't fault him for that. He's a fantastic player, worthy of Champions League football. Liverpool, uh, of course, were a team that on the game were regularly winning titles and qualifying for the Champions League. So it made sense that they would be after a player who wanted to play for a team like them. But I, well, I had a pretty big price tag in mind. He actually had a release clause that was worth over £100 million, but realistically getting that was unlikely. So I had agreed to sell him for his asking price, which was around £66 million. Whether or not Liverpool or anyone would pay that was a different question, of course. But Santos put himself in the shop window in the best possible way, well, in one sense, by scoring a hat-trick against Liverpool as we won 3-2. Uh, Liverpool scored two very late goals they didn't arguably even deserve and we took a victory in what was my 300th game in management and it was the second time now that he'd beaten one of the traditional big teams at Ellen Road having beaten Man United earlier in the season. So that was brilliant of course. Uh, five games unbeaten, we'd won the last four. We ended up losing against Chelsea 2-1 despite taking an early lead but we did play really, really well. And then we hosted Man City and we beat them 2-1 at Ellen Road as well. So we were doing quite well. We beat Swansea City, bottom of the league, 3-1. The first goal was actually kind of hilarious. It's the kind of thing which can happen in real life. Uh, mix up between the keeper and the defender. Their keeper basically blasted the ball against one of their own defenders by accident. It fell to Santos who had the easiest goal imaginable. We then drew two against Leeds away from, um, against sorry Southampton away from home. We should have won, but once again the team let slip a two-goal lead, which is very very annoying. Uh, and then I beat my old team Crystal Palace two-one, which is always quite satisfying, of course. Uh, and then we beat Aston Villa one-nil, and then we threw away a three-one lead against Bournemouth to draw. But we were doing quite well. We drew away against Arsenal, should have won, but this weird hiccup the game has that cost me points more than once, we just quickly hit again. I mean, winning against Arsenal would have been fantastic and we deserved it, but the game decided to grant Arsenal a goal for no reason, uh, which actually got me so hacked off on this occasion that I actually tweeted Football Manager, the official account, about this glitch, because it really, really hacks me off that it happens to me and me alone. It never seems to happen to the, to the computer. Well, it's happened once. I think, to the computer, and almost all the rest of the time it cost me points late on. Uh, I deserved to beat Arsenal in that game, but didn't, and that just really, really, really annoyed me. I could have restarted the game. Uh, I personally felt I would be justified in doing so. I'd won that game fair and square. The game had granted Arsenal a goal for no reason, but I didn't do that. I just had to basically sort of move on. Travelling to, uh, well, um, actually hosting, sorry, Bristol City, who were bottom of the league at this point, already relegated. 
We beat them 4-0, very, very comfortable win, and consigned them to 30 games without a win, which, that's a record no one wants. 30 matches without winning a match, 30, that's terrible. 4-0 victory, very, very nice, could have been more, gave us a better goal difference. And this actually took us to the end of the season. We had one more game left, and this was at home to Everton. Remarkably, by now, we were actually in a position to take a European place for next season. We were in seventh place, and because Man City had won the one of the Cups, I'm not sure which one they won, actually, but because they won one of the Cup competitions, and because they were occupying a Champions League place, that meant 7th in the Premier League became a Europa League spot. So the incentive was there. We were in a position to take it. There were a number of permutations that could alter that situation. If we lost to Everton in our final game, Everton could potentially take that final spot themselves. It would have to be a fairly significant result for that to happen, and Everton would also depend on other results going their way. Defeat for us could allow Norwich or Leicester to take that place. And a draw for us would probably be enough, to be fair, uh, unless, in terms of goal difference, Norwich won by about 30 goals, which was, of course, never going to happen. Leicester were the team that were more likely to take it if we lost, uh, although that also did apply to Norwich as well, to be fair. However, a seesaw game against Everton, well, we took the lead, got pegged back, took the lead again, got pegged back. In the second half, we turned things up a bit and were able to score twice more without reply to take a 4-2 win and land ourselves a place in the Europa League. With one qualifier, we were into the, shall we say, the qualification stage of the Europa League. We'd have to play a one-off match against as yet unknown opponents to make it through to the group stages. In fact, we might have had to play two um, sort of knockout matches, I'm not sure, before we took our place in the group stages. But nonetheless, European football, qualifying for it, it was not on the cards when I took over at Leeds. The expectation was to secure a top half of the table finish. Instead, we now had European football to look forward to next season, which I felt personally was absolutely fantastic. Against the grain, perhaps, a little bit, but then again, our performances over the course of the second half of the season, I personally thought, have been absolutely brilliant. We had some great results against some big teams. We'd drawn away against Spurs and Arsenal. We had beaten Liverpool, Man City and Man United when we'd hosted them. And generally speaking, things were starting to click. And things were clicking in another way because I was beginning to finally understand an area where I could improve as a manager. And namely, that was in the process of assigning individual train plans to players to enhance their performance in their chosen roles, in their chosen positions. The formation that I employed would have certain players be required to play in a certain way. And I perhaps hadn't focused their training on doing things a certain way. Now I was. The hope being that this could about small improvements here and there but if there were enough small improvements collectively across the course of the entire team then surely that would all begin to yield better results in general i would naturally have to prepare for the new season in some detail there would be a lot of work to do 
new players would be brought in, some players would go. Uh, I knew I was going to lose Santos at some point. It was just a question of to whom and when and for how much. But I knew I could bring in other players. The The transfer budget was quite impressive, given, I think, possibly the size of the team. But maybe it was impressive because we'd qualified for Europe. So I had the resources... I just had to use them properly. There wouldn't be any panic buying. There wouldn't be any rash decisions. I'd have to have a look at players who have been scouted thoroughly, players who, between myself and the scouting team, we believed could really make a difference at the club. But that is a story for another time. That you'll hear more about as and when I play through the next season and my first adventure in European football. One final thing that I will mention, it felt appropriate that now Leeds are qualified for Europe. I opened up the game to the European leagues. I had most of them set to view only at this point. I had set Scotland to be a playable league, but now I set Holland, France, Italy, Germany and Spain as playable leagues as well. Opening up the possibility of one day managing on the continent. Whether that happened, whether I would want that to happen was a different question. But now the option was there. But now it was time to look forward to a European adventure.